Hello to all of you unconventional conventionists. Welcome back to Rocky Talk. It's a Rocky Horror podcast where we talk about anything and everything Rocky Horror related. My name is John. And I'm Aaron. And joining us on air this week, we've got Arthur Laurie from the RKO Army, the Tesseract Players of Boston, and the Full Body Cast. Hi, Arthur. Hello. Arthur, you have been in this community forever, and you have done so much. I'm sure we could spend literal hours discussing all of your accomplishments. But for our listeners who may not be in the know, could you tell us a really brief little overview about yourself and your time doing Rocky? All right. Well, I started uh, shadow casting in 1979. Uh, back then, they called it blocking the screen. Uh, <laughs> and and since then, you know, I've just been bouncing up and down, you know, the East Coast, mostly in New England. It's a short story, but, you know, a lot of layers. Awesome. Thank you so much for joining us today. We are so excited to have you here on air with us. Well, thank you. And now before we get started with the show, we'd like to take a moment and ask each other, how was your week? Did you get up to anything fun? Hell yeah. Uh, so Meg and I actually went and saw this really weird show the other night. We went out to Brooklyn and at this club, we saw Ketamine the Musical. Now, this sounds extremely up your alley. It it was very weird. It was at House of Yes out in Brooklyn. And if anybody knows this venue, like they have a ton of like acrobatic stuff going on there. They had like, you know, silk uh, uh, aerial artists and like all sorts of crazy shit that they put into this. There was a bathtub in the middle of the uh, in the middle of the venue that um, a lucky raffle winner uh, and her partner got to uh, sit in for the entire second half of the show and take a bubble bath. It was really weird. There was a number where a bunch of people did cupcakes, uh, like dancing cupcakes on stage. It was very brownie reminiscent from Reefer Madness. Um, There was this was just a really fucking weird show. Um, There was like a whole social media segment where you were like checking your Instagram and sending messages. It was really fucking weird, but it was also really, really good. Meg and I came back and like we literally sat up for hours talking about this stupid show. Um, So, yeah, if you're in New York, definitely go check out that show. It's fucking weird as shit. Yeah, I don't think I will. (laughs) Arthur, what'd you get up to this week? How am I supposed to top that? My God. <laughs> my my dog. Me. Oh. <laughs> well, well, my dog took a dump on another dog's head. Amazing. I, yeah, you topped it easily. Yeah, that, wow. was, that was about it. I uh, went to work, went home, <laughs> ate dinner. You know, We're supposed to be closing on a house by the end of the month. So I'm working on, you know, the ulcer to end all ulcers. Uh, but that's about it. I think the dog pretty much tops you know, everything else I would have or could have done this week. I would nice. What you about there. you, John? Uh, so to, not today. Uh, this past week, I recently closed in on four different shows that I'm going to be seeing within the next month. I'm seeing Town on the 20th of April. I'm seeing Moulin Rouge on the 4th of May. I'm seeing Beetlejuice on the 11th of May. And then I'm seeing Town again on the 12th of May. Somebody stop me. I have a problem. This is a call for help. Burning through that tax refund, eh? <laughs> what tax refund? I owe 200 bucks. <laughs> Sounds about right. <laughs> <laughs> that's me. <clears throat> All right, y'all. Uh, now that that's out of the way, let's dive into our first segment. 
This is Global News. All right, guys, bear with me. Usually, we wouldn't do a segment on professional wrestling. Usually, the world of The Undertaker and Hulk Hogan has little overlap with the world of Richard O'Brien and Tim Curry. Unless you're in a conversation with Eric Garment or Arturo. Shout out to the resident Rocky wrestlers. We, we love you guys. Usually, our two worlds don't collide, but when the glitz and glam of the AEW, all elite wrestling, comes knocking and throws down the gauntlet, we are left with little choice but to take up the mantle and return fire. Last week, April 13th, which was AEW's Wednesday night, AEW Dynamite, featured a painted-in-makeup, cursing Irish gremlin, I think? No joke. His name is Donhausen, and he's some sort of Irish warlock, we want to say. He's painted in with white face makeup with black circles around his eyes and mouth. And at AW Dynamite, he gets called out. Well, someone gets called out? I, I, I don't follow wrestling. The hometown hero is called up to the ring, and Donhausen comes up. He steps into the ring. Well, this guy, Don Housing, possibly due to the face makeup and possibly because of the large black cloth one foot short of a kimono he's wearing, he gets called out by the announcer and told, hey, this ain't the Rocky Horror Picture Show convention, dude. Now, we could take this moment to slander the good people of AEW and tell you, yeah, that isn't the Rocky Horror Picture Show convention. Our conventions tend to be a lot more fun and involve a lot less clothing and grandstanding and a lot more boobies, but that's not what we're going to do here. You see, watching this video, the whole video, up to Donhausen coming into the ring and afterwards, we kind of realized something. The worlds of professional wrestling and Rocky Horror are not so different. I mean... Right off the bat, the amount of spandex and makeup across both fields is alarmingly similar. They might not be jumping around in corsets, but we're all walking around in sparkly booty shorts that I know we all bought from the same four Amazon storefronts. <laughs> That's not all. If you thought Rocky Horror was dramatic with overacting and backstage divas, holy shit, you would not believe the similarities between Rocky and professional wrestling. So Donhausen comes out immediately. One of the wrestlers tells Donhausen he's weird and isn't welcome. And then out of nowhere, he makes one of his fellow wrestlers drop and give him 10 pushups just on the suspicion that this wrestler had been talking to Danhausen. I don't know why that would happen, but you got to understand shows of physical force and awkward public domination absolutely screams Rocky horror, but that's not it. Not by a long shot. Now you might be asking yourself, Where's the showmanship, the lights, and the sparkle? It's right here. So apparently our godly dressed Irish curse casting warlock doesn't like being slighted as he just was. So he then begins to threaten this businessman who happens to be in the ring. He tells the businessman he needs to hand over his suit and shoes or else he'll cast a curse on him. He wants his costume. Maybe it's more screen accurate. Who knows? Obviously. Now you can imagine what happens next. Don Housen wordlessly curses the man, noiselessly pointing his fingers a variety of lengths away from the businessman until, eventually, 
The businessman grabs his heart and sort of runs around the ring until one of the other wrestlers begs Donhausen to break the curse. Donhausen, after almost no prodding, gives in and in an annoyed fashion flicks his wrist at the businessman and says, All right, he's uncursed. Oh my god. With such a sense of disdain, he seems better suited to being a perturbed director yelling at his cast, yet again, about how you need to put your props away after each show, more so than being an Irish warlock casting some wordless curses on a wrestling businessman. Oh, oh, oh but, but that's not all, because after it becomes obvious that Donhausen is not, in fact, the wrestler that he was meant to be called into the ring, the announcer gets his act together and riles the crowd up to call the right wrestler on stage, Ricky Starks. And this really is the climax of the Rocky activity for the night, because first, Starks gets called into the ring and he comes out to little fanfare. He's like dressed in a hoodie, the music is low, and he comes out, looks at the audience, and waves his hand in a little this ain't it sort of gesture. And just as quickly as he came in, he turns around and leaves. Crowd is upset, and the announcer riles them up again. And finally, he calls the New Orleans hometown guy back out. But this time, Ricky Starks comes back out to much more fanfare in a complete costume change. Gone is the hoodie and the mesh white outfit. Now he's in clean white booty shorts, lace-up boots, and nothing else. Sound familiar? He may as well have been in a Labor Day Rocky Horror costume. Well, what could be more Rocky Horror than a quick change followed by roaring applause, where you come back out in a much skimpier outfit, and they think we're fringe? But guess what? That's just the fucking introduction for Ricky Starks. Starks has about 10 more minutes of action where one of his nemesis comes out. They trade insults for a few minutes, and he, a wrestler named Platinum Max, gets into the ring to challenge Starks and everyone from Donhausen to the businessman, and he even challenges the announcers. Everyone absolutely gang fucks this dude. There is no attempt to make it a fair fight. Max gets in the ring, stares down the businessman, and gets sucker punched by some dude he wasn't watching. Then everybody basically just kind of takes turns tackling him. Not only did I get totally sucked in watching the backstabbery, glitz, and glamour of it all, my no-no bits even got a little tingly at times. That is the most Jacob thing I've ever fucking read. Right? Oh. Oh. I could see a kind group of Rocky people accidentally stumbling into an event like this and not even realizing that they had gotten lost and wandered into the wrong room. I think we would just go with this new zany cast of Rocky characters we had never heard about. Oh shit, Maximus fucked your girl and now the Crushinator is going to bring him to Pain Town? Fuck. So, that's that. Next time Sunday Night Raw passes by your TV, maybe don't change the channel. Maybe see what they have to offer. Watch the next John Cena movie. Tackle someone for bedroom scene. You know, live a little. And speaking of tackling each other in the bedroom, it's time for some... Community news. I don't know if you heard that, but I farted. Yes. Yes, we did. Yeah, cool. excellent work. Yeah. <clears throat> And first up in community news, the con gods, a.k.a. Fred Moreau, probably, graced us this week with even more con submission announcements. 
participants are now able to start putting in applications for Rocky's Got Talent and Drag Race, as well as all those super sweet cast pre-shows. Those of you who have attended cons know that the talent show is one of the main entertainment staples. This is where all the singers, burlesque dancers, sideshow artists, drag performers, and the like come together to entertain us with their mad skills. This year is going to be a little different. All those acts and more are invited to submit acts for the cons variety show, featuring basically everything but drag, it sounds like. The reason being is that we've got so many wonderfully talented drag performers in our community, it probably just made sense to give them all their own space with their first ever RKO Drag Race. I'm here for this. Submission requirements for both are pretty straightforward and essentially the same. Audition videos for both shows need to be turned in by June 15th, 2022. And yes, videos are strongly encouraged as part of these submissions. RKO makes it clear that priority billing will be given to those with video auditions. Our convention masters realize that not everyone will have a perfectly polished video of their act, but everyone should be turning in something that's fairly demonstrative of their routine. If this isn't possible for you, you should still feel free to turn in an audio file, especially if you're a singer, musician, stand-up comic, you know, something like that. But again, they're preferring videos for these auditions. Please make sure your talent show acts are toy like a toy guy. Yes, you look like a macho man. Village people. Okay, Dutchman, <laughs> don't play the laughing man. <laughs> There's only two things in this world that I can't stand. People who are intolerant of other people's cultures and the Dutch. What? Take the Vaja away! Dutch hater! Five minutes or less so that RKO can include as many people as possible. God damn it, John. The submission forms, <laughs> the submission forms also include a bunch of logistical information like what name you'll want to use for billing, what sorts of tech accommodations that you'll be needing for your act, so make sure to have all of that info ready to go to. Oh boy, are we all back now? Are we with us now? <laughs> okay. As far as the pre-shows go, each cast is allowed to submit up to one video pre-show and one live pre-show application. Submission deadline for all these events is June 15th. And although your cast's live performance does not need to be completely finalized and ready to go by then, that's the cutoff date for turning in all the materials you'll be using. Guys, keep in mind that while this all seems like forever away, it's going to be May. We've got about seven weeks before all of this needs to be turned in, so if you want to get audition materials submitted, it's time to start working on them now. All that I do is not enough for you. Don't want to lose it, but I'm not like that. And finally... Yeah, we've seen all your acts, just like the wrestling community. Our people are extra... All our shit is high-concept, ultra-choreographed, highly edited, and tailored specifically for flopping our dicks on the table. That kind of entertainment takes time. So get that ball rolling soon, people. Just like your mom, we nag you because we love you. And we want your shit to do well. Speak for yourself. I want them to crash and burn. It's mm. funnier if they do. Yeah. <laughs> we can't wait to watch all of your shenanigans on stage and off stage and get to cheer your talented asses on. We really just want to see as much of it as possible. Your ass. Arthur is talking about we want to see as much of your ass as possible. Uh, hopefully that was clear. Well, Arthur, John and I talked about this with uh, Phil DeJean last week when the casting call went up for Rocky, Shocky, Dr. Horrible, Repo, and Hedwig. But we'd love to ask you, too. Are you going to be submitting any auditions for con events? Oh, unfortunately not. 
and the basic reason for that is it's the con is local to me, so I'd rather see other people take the slots and um and you know because they're traveling far and maybe they didn't get a chance to uh perform at a convention it just opens things up you know ever so slightly and of course all this info plus everything else about the con buying the tickets the hotel deets show audition information and lots more can be found on the convention website rkocon.com which we will have linked for you in our show notes if for some reason you don't know it and if you're looking to go hands-free at con or anywhere really club nights any sort of parades that might be coming up in the next few months i can't think of any off the top of my head but some of you might it's very straight of you well straight to the point vampirefreaks.com has just released a brand new rocky horror themed backpack so that all our little sweet transvestites out there can rep our favorite movie while keeping their hands free to time warp Vampire Freaks sells goth merch for the spookily inclined. They started off as a clothing brand, but have since branched out and now carry a really wide array of clothing, shoes, accessories, makeups, and housewares. They're kind of like a TJ Maxx for goth millennials. You can get your spooky clothes and furnish your spooky home in a tasteful yet budget-friendly way. And one of the great items that the site recently dropped is this adorable and officially licensed heart-shaped Rocky backpack. The bag is made of black vegan vinyl with a blood red trim and a spoopy spiderweb pattern lining. It's got a few interior pouches, much like me, in addition to the main compartment. So you'll have separate pockets to keep your keys, water bottle, emergency sewing kit, emergency changes of underwear, pound and a half of emergency glitter, emergency roll of condoms, four emergency fishnets, and emergency Malore minis in case you happen to come across anyone you hate but also want to do shots with. That's some very specific emergency equipment, John. You find me a Rocky person who hasn't packed that exact list of shit at some time, and I'll show you a liar. Uh, This backpack is really cute and retails on Vampire Freaks for the low, low price of $61.99 plus shipping. Only one forty-eighth of a Frank jacket and infinitely more useful. I'm not sure about that, but if you're interested in checking it out, we've got it linked for you, you know, in our show notes. Last up on community news, or should I say community news, early Sunday morning, just a few hours before we started our recording, Jim Cosmo Hetzer got all literary with us with this announcement he posted on Facebook. So the announcement reads, so I guess it is time for the official announcement. There's a new Rocky Horror book coming out in time for the 50th anniversary of the Rocky Horror Picture Show. The new book will focus primarily on the casts and fans. It will contain pictures and stories from casts around the world. The new book has the tentative name of 50 Years of Rocky Horror by Jim Hetzer. It will be published by Asylum Publishing, the same people who put out the audience participation guide and Creatures of the Night 1 and 2. I'm very proud to be working with such a great company again. I will be reaching out to the people for ideas and content very soon. I'm hoping to get articles from people telling stories about things that happened at their shows or conventions, that type of thing. This will be fun. Hell yeah, it will, Jim. This new book sounds amazing. We've got so many great books lined up to be published in anticipation of the 50th anniversary, but I'm especially excited about this one, particularly because it's taking a look at the community in specific, right? We've all got bookshelves lined with, well, okay, I have a bookshelf lined with stuff, you know, that is about the history of the show and just the celebrities and all that. 
there's only a few books that take a really deep dive into the community and i'm here for another one like this sounds fantastic and exactly up my alley arthur how about you like are you a rocky book guy do you have any thoughts on this one any favorite rocky books well i only own two i own the the first picture book because that's the only way we found out really anything about the movie because you know pre-internet <laughs> and um creatures of the night too because i got a photo in it <laughs> yeah but, you do yeah i do uh but i i was really excited when i saw this about the same time and i uh it really needs to be a, an update on things that have happened since these books are kind of dated i mean they're good i mean it, they've got some good information and got some good stories but uh, we really need to update because uh, a lot's gone on since these books came out. Oh, yeah. Creature and Creatures 2 wraps up in like 1995, 96, somewhere in there. So there's a good three decades that hasn't really been covered yet. Hey, Aaron, buddy, um, I can't read, but even I'm pretty pumped to be able to hear some of the cool stories that are sure to be included in this book. You're going to read it to me if I come over to your house, right? Oh, of course I will, dude. Thanks, homie. Oh, I'm loving this all non-toxic masculinity here, guys. Let's bring all this positive vibage into our next segment. I've been waiting, guys. It's A-A-A-Q time. That's triple A, qua, superior automotive service with a quack. For fuck's sake, A-A-A-Q. Can we just get over the goddamn acronym? It's just a historical segment. It's Ken Burns, man. But it's the shtick. Everyone needs a shtick. Yeah, I love my stick too, buddy. But come on, man. Call a spade a spade. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Not cool, man. Come on. You really need to be careful about saying things like that, John. Remember, nothing ever goes away on the internet. What? I'm saying you don't want to get canceled, John. All right. That's not even remotely. Oh, ho, 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 ho. Is that so? Mr. Arthur Laurie. John is obviously safe from getting canceled. After all, he is a Twitch streamer. But I don't know if you are aware of the door that you just opened. You unlock this door with the key of imagination. Beyond it is another dimension. A dimension of sound. A dimension of sight. A dimension of mind. You're moving into a land of both shadow and substance of things and ideas you've just crossed over into the rocky cancellation zone i thought you guys might like to know about rocky you know back in the day you know like before everybody kind of what this is what you thought mr arthur laurie but you have been around this shindig long enough to know there is no forgetting, and the internet never forgets. Is it not true that on the night of March 16th, 1994, at approximately 10.48 p.m. and 32 seconds, you posted to the alt.cult-movies.rockyhorror news group that, quote, Boston is checking in, took a while to figure out how this internet stuff works, end quote. What? Maybe? I've... 30 years ago, man. Aha! See, this is it. Your nightmare, Mr. Arthur Laurie, longest-running shadowcaster in all of Rocky Horror, that one day it would be discovered that you didn't know how the internet worked. It was 1994. Were you even born in 1994? 
I'm so sorry, Arthur. What John means to say is that- I say, aha! And yes, I was too. <sighs> what, what John means to say. Uh, so you originally started going to Rocky in 1979. You have literally seen the entire evolution of the community. I have one question that I've been trying to get an answer for at this point, like years now. And I'm hoping that maybe you can shed some light on it. So long before the internet, long before 1994, way back when it all began, Rocky was just a collection of people going to a movie and having a good time. We know vaguely how that transformed in New York to become the shadow casting phenomenon, but like, what was it really like? You saw it all over the country. How did Rocky become what it is today? When you first went to see Rocky, they were just like foreshadowing the whole shadow cast thing, right? Yeah, pretty much. It was just a bunch of kids. I was a kid back in 79. We were going to this movie. We were dressing up just because you saw somebody else dress up and then you dressed up and then other people saw you dressed up and then you had a whole cadre of people dressing up and then they jump on stage, they do a scene, then somebody else would jump on stage and do a scene and then week after week you'd all start doing scenes and would just stretch out and stretch out and finally you had a cast and suddenly you were doing the whole movie. It was a little weird, but the best part about it was I was just some skinny white kid from the suburbs. I didn't know nothing from nothing, uh, but nobody cared. It was, you're part of us now. You're in the collective. We're going to hug you with this great and collective embrace. And it's just really cool people that I thought would never be my friends on a normal day. And it was just a cool vibe. But answer me this, Mr. Arthur Laurie. You keep saying my name. Yeah, you like it, don't you, bitch? When did people really start to perform Rocky as a shadow cast? Is it not true that on January 23rd, 1997, you posted on the alt.coat slash movies.rockyhorrornews group that, quote, those of us who remember still talk about the 1980 bus trip the Exeter Street cast took to New York for the day. Of course, the trouble we got into during the day collectively made seeing the show somewhat anticlimactic. I'm going to leave some stuff out here because 1997 Arthur is a verbose guy, but quote, however, some did have to explain to me why some big hairy guy jumped in and started doing Janet though, winky face. How is that possible that you could not identify Mr. Sal Piero, who wrote Creatures of the Night, Aaron's literal holy Bible? You were there before the great prophet, and you had no idea. Was New York not yet shadow casting then? When did it start? Why did you use a wiki face? What did you see? And what, by the way, happened on that bus trip in 1980? <laughs> I knew who Sal was. The winky face was just, hey, who's that hairy guy jumping his jet? That we know who's it was Sal. We know. We know that. Mm. So that was that was an attempt to be funny because I'm legitimately one of the funniest people you know. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Proof. <laughs> you, you see that? But the bus trip was uh poorly planned. Um, but we got there. The cast couldn't have been nicer to us. They kind of slid us in the side door. And I wasn't much of a drug doer, but I got introduced to uh, the concept of nitrous oxide and not just a, a little whippet or, you know, a sniff in a balloon. There was there was a tank. It was from a dentist office <laughs> on the goddamn bus. And I, so I remember most of the trip. Let's just put it that way. <laughs> 
Well, you were traveling all over the country around that time, right? You were in New York, Virginia, Florida. Like, what were some of the stuff you noticed going from place to place? Was the show really different wherever you went? It it really wasn't. Like, I came down when I joined the Navy. I started uh, doing the show in Virginia. And really, all people were just, they were hungry for information. Like, well, what do you guys do? Or what callbacks do you know? Or how do how do you do this scene? They were just, like, pumping me for information. And everybody just wanted to know how everybody else did things. And you just sort of had to refine how you did the show. And it, it wasn't a, in the early days, people were really, you know, snippy of like, well, uh, what, how is their costume? Is that screen accurate? But as we started getting into the 80s and whatnot, it was more of a like, well, how do you do it? How is this done? Well, how, how, is that, how can we do this a little better? Uh, we went away from being, you know, catty little bitches to, we all want to do a show. We're all starting to come into this community where we all, you know, we are, we belong to each other. We are all part of a collective and it, and it's the best way I can phrase it is collective. It felt nice. And if you went to another city and found somebody, you know, that did the show or was with the show, you automatically had a connection. So there, it was more of, you know, making connections state to state about that time. Oh, that's fantastic. I mean, that's that's the foundations of everything that it has built towards for the last, you know, 50 years almost at this point. But were there any like hot button issues back then? Like you saw so many things. Like what was like craziest most impressive thing from way back when? Like was there anybody out there who was just such a huge community presence? I think it was mostly Sal because he ran the fan club. And really the only communication we had was like the fan magazines and usually highlighted other casts or, or other performers. But um, New York got a lot of, a lot of press because I mean, they were, you know, the base of the fan club, you know, a few names popped up here and there. I know like Dory Hartley used to have um, a lot of good write-ups. Uh, I'd never saw her in person. I've seen a couple of videos. I've seen a couple of um, you know, stills and she was, you know, she was amazing. Uh, but never got to saw her in person. Uh, but it was really limited, like I said, because it was pre-internet and we all depended on the magazines that came out and they were usually coming out of the fan club and they were a little one-sided because, you know, they were writing about the home base and occasionally you'd hear about other casts, but that's, that's where we got our, most of our news from. Listen, Arthur, you're not making this whole Rocky Cancellation Zone thing easy. That was just a great fucking story, but I think I've got you on this one. You absolutely cannot deny that on July 9th, 1996, you posted on the alt.cult slash movies.rockyhorrornews group that, quote, I am attempting to contact a former cast member I performed with at the Exeter Street Theater in Boston around 1979. The word is, the first print the theater received during its initial run had the Brad Riff buttfuck scene in it. One of the cells was a picture of Brad on all fours in his blue robe. I can have it scanned into a GIF or a JPEG and post it because I'm sure that many would be interested in this piece of Rocky history. Where's the GIF, Lori? Yeah, where's the GIF, Lori? Uh, uh, sorry. What we mean is, we clearly proved last April 1st that the Brad Riff buttfuck scene was absolutely 100% real. Barry Bostwick even sent us a very nice video. So, why did it take so long for the truth to be revealed? Why were you hiding it all of those years? What was more important back then than this critical piece of cinematic history? Oh, uh, hmm. Well, some would say nothing, but <laughs> when uh, <laughs> what we were, especially when the um, 
the VA, uh, VA video. Oh, God, I haven't seen a videotape in how long? We had heard rumors that there were parts of the movie that they filmed that they never put uh, on tape or they sort of sort of dumped. Once in a while was the big talk. And again, communication was limited. So you had to just, you know, trust what the, the magazines were, were telling you. Uh, there was a copy of Once in a While. It was shot, but just never shown. And it was coming. And I think it was, somebody correct me, the 15th or the 20th that they, they put out the, the, um, the tape of the DVD with that on that. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was a big deal. And, you know, and it was one of those little tidbits of like, there's some unedited, there's some never seen footage. Here's a little taste. Here's a little taste. And I'm sure there's more out there, but you know, I'm, I'm down for seeing anything like backstage photos and, and audio clips and, and especially stuff like that. That's just, it's just amazing. Yeah. It, it, it's fantastic that more of that stuff has filtered out over the years. Like, we're, and even just a couple months ago, we saw, you know, some of the uh, the footage from the BBC that came out that was like the remastered behind the scenes kind of stuff that like I, I combed through it and I was like, oh, this 20 frames has never been seen before <laughs> kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, that's all nice. But the real question, and I've got you dead to rights on this one. Tell us all about the Brad Riff Art Laurie buttfuck scene as described in your post from July 12, 1997, which reads, quote, a lesser known, but just as important scene. I hate it every minute, by the way. End quote. <laughs> Come on. But anyway, there, there were a lot of clips that we hadn't seen that we wanted to have included in the anniversary issues, like the 15th and 20th. And uh, once in a while was great. Uh, and we got we got that and as soon as that came out we started like you know started doing that uh, if we could get it uh put on tape get it projected uh, so that was a lot of fun and and added like a nice little nice little spice to uh to our casting well that's all good for the 80s and 90s but as we moved into a new millennium i have it on good authority and by that i mean your own words that the community was transforming into something else did you not write on November 19th, 1999 that you, quote, plan on showing my penis for a pre-show? Not sure what song I'll use, though. End quote. I'm so sorry, Arthur. John is taking this a, a little a little too far. No, no, I'll, I'll talk about my penis. Please. No, no. But John raises a good point. Yeah, raise this dick. Help! Well, <laughs> Yes. Oh, so, okay. When did you see the community start branching out? Like, what was the spark that started everybody adding on to the show, doing these pre-shows and like starting to shadow cast other things? Like, we all know the movies we're doing now, right? Like, RKO's going to be doing all of them. But I'm sure there was a lot of talk about what was the next big Rocky. Like, what were those conversations like? Well, again, it it was tough. When we first started doing the movie, this was a typical, like, say, Saturday night. You know, we get in the theater, and at midnight, we would play Roxy soundtrack, and we would perform the entire Roxy soundtrack. Take a break. They would play the two Tim Curry videos. I do, uh, I do The Rock and Paradise Garage. And then they would dig into the movie. And so we wouldn't be out of the theater till like, 3, 3.30. And that was, you know, every Friday and Saturday for a couple of years. But I'm not sure who started the um, Let's Do Something Different which was you know, forbidden for most casting directors. This is what we do. This is what everybody does. And we're not going to change it. No, go get dressed. Um, <laughs> but 
we started doing, and I'm sure a lot of other cast did, started doing sort of theme things, sort of like later in the 80s and the 90s. We did a NWO Rocky. We were all dressed up as, you know, wrestlers. I think I was Hulk Hogan. And we actually pulled out a, you know, four post strings and a wrestling mat and had a, a grand challenge for the belt. So that was a lot of fun. For our fourth anniversary, I think it was a third or fourth anniversary. I don't know. I guess there's a post detailing it. Let's take <laughs> a look. Uh, we did the entire pre-show, basically most of the movie live. And we had a live band. It was us. And we had, you know, we mic'd everybody up and we did probably about six or seven songs live on the stage. Now I, I was bouncing up and down between the balcony because some parts I played the drums for, then I'd come down, you know, and sing. So I remember singing, I did damage Janet live myself and a young lady named Karen who's Janet. Uh, we did the floor show live, which a lot of mic handing off and took a little stage acrobatics to get that right. Uh, but that was a blast. And um, the only unfortunate thing is from years ago that somebody took a video and that somebody, we don't know who it is, stuck it somewhere and it ended up someplace and we'll probably never see it again. But uh, that was that was that was a nice night. And people just got bored with the same old thing. And over the years, they started just sort of adding their own flavor to it. And I don't know where it started, but that's that was sort of the precipice. All old things are new again. Mm. Hmm. <laughs> well, shit. I think I have to step up the game. Oh, God. You're not getting Rocky canceled for any of those stories. Let's just wrap this up, shall we? This one is ironclad. On December 30th, 2000, seriously, Arthur, just six days after the day before Jesus Christ was born, on that most holy of days, you wrote, and this is a direct quote, what exactly are the criteria for judging a cum drinking video out of a possible 100? And I think that's all the time we have today. I really want to thank Aaron, Meg, um, please, someone, <laughs> maestro, play me out. <laughs> Help me. And that's our show. <laughs> We want to thank our writer, Jacob, and our editor, Aaron, from Tennessee. This show wouldn't be nearly as possible without you both. And of course, a big thank you to Arthur. Thank you so much for coming on today. Oh, thank you for having me. This was a blast. Uh, if anyone has a question that they'd like us to answer on air for ACK segment. <laughs> <laughs> if you want to ask us the criteria for judging a cum drinking video, some community news that they'd like us to talk about, or even a cool story to share with the community. Community, we would love to include it on our show. Just go to our website, rockytalkypodcast.com, and fill out our contact form to tell us about it. If you're enjoying Rocky Talkie, please help us out by rating, reviewing, and subscribing to the show. It makes the podcast more accessible to new listeners, which really helps us grow the show. And if you want even more Rocky Talkie content, check out the show on Facebook, YouTube, Instagram, and TikTok, all at Rocky Talkie Podcast. We'll talk to you next week. Bye. Bye. Okay, so 50 points for cum, 30 points for the penis. So, so are we talking like cum drinking is just like, are we talking like, like somebody ejaculating onto someone's face drinking or are we talking literal like cum in a vial drinking it?
No, I think it's just it's it's from point A to point B. There's mm-hmm. no there's no vessel in between. Got the, it. Okay. The title of the f- the thread is a shuttle dash Japan dash dash come drinking video. I can actually go back. We have something here from Steve Van Meter. Let's see what he said. Please make sure that your talent show acts are toy like a toyger. Yes, you look like a macho man. Yes, Walter Matthau. Is it is it Walter Matthau? Hold on. <laughs> Hold on. I need to, I need to, uh, oh no, it's village people. Guys, keep in mind that while this all seems like forever away, it's almost May. Really, Meg? You missed it. Guys, keep in mind that while this all seems like forever away, it's going to be May. We've got about seven weeks before all of this needs to be turned in. So if you want to get audition materials submitted, it's time to start working on them now. All that I do is not enough for you. Don't want to lose it, but I'm not like that. And finally. Yeah, we <laughs> I don't remember the last part. I don't even. You could just you could just cut it where I said it finally. <laughs> <laughs> so your your signature says quality bread and associated services since 1979. What are those other associated services? Is it come drinking one of them? Well, clearly grading come drinking. Yeah. I mean, look uh, at that. That's a that's an amazing chart. That's come on. Oh, I'm loving all this non-toxic masculinity here, guys. Let's bring all this positive vibe age into our next segment. Oh, is that Vi- what that's supposed to be? Vibe age. Fine. Oh, I'm loving this all non-toxic masculinity here, guys. Let's bring all this positive vibage into our next segment. <laughs> that was the worst. <laughs> yeah. We're keeping oh my it. God. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I don't know. I thought it, I thought it was French. Are Are you still uh, available uh, on your AIM Yahoo Live Journal as <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna hop on AIM right now. Oh, sweet Jesus, it doesn't exist anymore. <laughs> ICQ. Holy crap, that's still in there. I like Arthur, the tag though. Arthur, what was your what was your aim away message? Uh, I didn't have one. Seriously, <laughs> he, no. I just... He was he was always on, folks. <laughs> always on. Size doesn't matter. What matters mm. is how big it is. That's a that's a tag. That is a tag. <laughs> <laughs>